Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. At the uh, end of last hour, we were talking about this uh, restaurant in Maine, Charlotte's Legendary Lobster Pound, that is uh, baking their lobsters before they boil them, baking them as in in sedating them with marijuana to ease their pain. But I don't want to be accused of being anti-science here, so we shouldn't propagate the myth that lobsters scream. And Uh, that's what you hear when they're boiling. They're screaming. And then they're like, I think I hear them say help. It sounds like this. Uh, I mean, it's. I agree. It's blood curdling. But um, they don't have vocal cords, so they don't actually scream. Well, then what's going on? Because there is a noise emanating from their beans. It's air escaping from underneath their shell. Oh, this is so disgusting. Well, I'm just saying. It's even horrible. Now, I can't explain Adam Levine. Not playing that drop. But yes. as one uh, tweeter pointed out, um, that actually is the only way to make a lobster cry is if you play Adam Levine for the lobster. <laughs> so right. then you, you sedate them and then they, there's no, but the air still comes out of their shell, right? W- can we do a show what? and tell tomorrow? Well, if they're not screaming and then they're sedating them with marijuana and then they. Well, it's still, although somebody else pointed out that if I'm eating a lobster that's been baked, Am I going to get baked? No, right. And so that'll want me, then I'll want to eat more lobster, and it becomes a vicious circle. It's a good point. <laughs> Doesn't it? It's a very complicated uh, geopolitical topic. Uh, for uh, a discussion of other complicated geopolitical topics, we're pleased to be joined again by Jed Babin. I don't know if he's ever been to <laughs> um, Charlotte's Legendary Lobster Pound in Seawall, Maine. But uh, he is a former Deputy Undersecretary of Defense and contributor to the Washington Times and American Spectator. Jet, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, by the way, just to get this out of the way, if, if, do you have a Maroon 5 pick to do the halftime show for the Super Bowl next year? Do you have a, a preference? Well, no. Uh, I think and as far as the halftime show goes at the Super Bowl, I don't think I'm going to be watching anyway because they're liable to have Colin Kaepernick. And who cares? There you go. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's, a, that's a fair fair position. Uh, all right. So, Jed, on to uh, serious uh, matters that uh, are uh, your focus. Um, North Korea sort of fallen out of the headlines uh, the last uh, couple of months with the controversies du jour and Kavanaugh obviously being the present one. But um, engagement with the North Koreans is uh, ongoing. Uh, North Korea and South Korea had a little tete-a-tete the other day. Uh, where do we stand with any real discern, uh, uh, discernible progress as it pertains to North Korean denuclearization? Well, it really isn't any. Uh, the fact that they're having talks between Kim Jong-un and President uh, Moon Jae-in of South Korea is a good thing. Uh, we should be engaging with them. and I think Mr. Trump is trying to schedule another summit with uh, Kim in the next couple of months. And, you know, that's also the good. Talking is better than shooting. Uh, but in this case, we have to recognize that there's absolutely nothing going on in terms of their disarmament. Uh, there is a proposal now that Kim is going to disassemble uh, some facility uh, on the basis of us giving him some unspecified concessions first. Well, that's not the way it works. Uh, we have to have preconditions to anything we do. And if they are not going to, and they're not, if they're not going to do anything uh, substantial or really anything meaningful or anything, whatever you want to call it, whatever adjective you want to say, uh, they're not doing a damn thing to disarm. Uh, there's really no reason for us to do anything in return, and we need to keep the pressure on, keep the sanctions on, 
and keep exposing countries like Russia and China, which are aiding North Korea by buying their coal and shipping oil in uh, to that country and a lot of other things they're doing. Well, with respect to that, uh, the, the uh, China, with respect to China, so the uh, trade skirmish uh, that we're involved in with uh, China right now with the uh, eye for an eye tariff uh, di- uh, uh, dynamic, how does that impact any hope we had to enlist China to help us with North Korea, or was that always a quixotic adventure? Well, I was always quixotic, and it's a very polite term for it. It's baloney. Uh, the Chinese have North Korea as a client state. They can have a great deal of control, not entirely uh, control, over the Kim regime, but they are not doing much, if anything, uh, to put pressure on Kim to actually denuclearize. They like the fact that Kim Jong-un has nuclear weapons and the missiles with which he can deliver them. Uh, They do that because it takes our attention away from what they're doing in the South China Sea and elsewhere. And, you know, these are nations that we have as adversaries. They're not enemies in shooting war. But uh, we can't can't disavow the idea that China is an adversary and that they're not going to help us because they have no reason. What about um, the prospect then uh, with President Trump and Secretary of State Pompeo of cross-pollinating some of these issues, North Korean nuclear uh, denuclearization with uh, trade policy and lowering tariffs and removing new tariffs that have been imposed, uh, a, a deal that addresses some of both of those issues, because obviously China is taking a hammering because of the tariffs that have been imposed. It's uh, an open question how long they can endure that or would want to choose to endure that. Maybe this is an opportunity not only to drive for a lower tariff environment between the U.S. and the Chinese, but also for real Chinese engagement with North North Korean denuclearization. Well, I I think there's a possibility. I think it's a one-in-a-million shot. Uh, And for that reason, it's worth pursuing. Even a a one-in-a-million shot is better than nothing. But we have to be realistic about it. China has much more leverage over us in this trade war than we have against them. Uh, They are not fair traders. They never have been. And, you know, the fact of the matter is the tariffs are going to raise prices for American consumers as much as they hurt the Chinese. So it's a two-edged sword, and we have to really be careful with what we're doing. I think Mr. Trump, uh, I don't know who is giving him advice. I hope Larry Kudlow is uh, and that he's following it in respect to these, this trade matter, because, you know, quite frankly, guys, I'm a bullets and bombs guy. I don't know diddly about, uh, about economics. Yeah. Uh, this morning, the GOP is warning that time is running out for Ms. Ford, Professor Ford, whatever you want to call her, Kavanaugh's accuser to speak. Uh, what do you make of this 11th hour surprise? Well, I think if there were any credibility to it, we would have heard it from Diane Feinstein months ago. She's had this letter from Ms. Ford or uh, at least since July or even before that. And I think, again, if there were any credibility in it, we would have heard it a long time ago. I think it's simply a delaying tactic by the Democrats, and I think that Judge Kavanaugh is being, uh, well, given a great disservice by doing this. He should not be dragged through the mud like this. And you know what? If she doesn't have the guts to come in and testify on Monday, not at some future you know, unspecified date, if she has not the guts to come in and testify on Monday, I think the whole thing should be ignored. Uh, it's interesting. There was an interesting uh, observation by um, uh, So Rabamari in the New York Post about uh, the left's scorched earth policy when it comes to SCOTUS nominees, particularly one that would change the sort of uh, ideological balance of the court, if you will. And uh, he points out that uh, liberals fear their major cultural victories of the past 50 years are democratically illegitimate. 
go from Griswold to present, their cultural victories, the march towards uh, cultural Marxism and uh, centralized power, have all been won in the courts, not in state legislatures or through elections, other than elections as the means to judicial appointments. And so it could be undone. Uh, and that's why we're in a different environment today than we were 50 years ago or even 30 years ago because of all the judicial victories that the cultural Marxists have piled up. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's largely right. Uh, I think if you look at some of the biggest and most disturbing things that have happened from the court uh, in the past generation or two, I mean, for example, Roe v. Wade, I mean, that's the kind of thing that was imposed by the courts. It was not something that was come up uh, through the states or the state legislatures. And, you know, whether you like it or not, it was a very, very disruptive decision uh, in American polity. And you see now that that disruption is still polarizing Americans everywhere. So you look at a lot of things. I mean, I, I have no idea whether Roe v. Wade can ever be or, or should ever be overturned. But I'll tell you, as far as settled law in this country, you know, guys, Plessy versus Ferguson was settled law for a long time. Right. Fred Scott was settled law for a long time. And both of those decisions were horrific and deserved to be overturned right. in a very short time. So who knows what's going to happen with this court? Again, I think Judge Kavanaugh needs to be confirmed. If this gal does not show up on Monday, I think that she has lost any and all credibility and nothing further should delay the nomination. Do you think maybe the Senate should subpoena Kavanaugh's accuser to force her? You know, because she started this and I, and I feel no. really bad for Judge Kavanaugh because if she doesn't show up, uh, how is he going to get his reputation back? Is he going to re release a statement? I mean, they, she's trying to destroy him. He's a family man also, and he's a man of the community. He's a volunteer coach. Well, I don't think that she should be subpoenaed for the simple reason that that's playing into her hand. Yeah, right. You know, they want to delay it. Oh, well, we're going to subpoena you next month. We're going to subpoena you in November. I mean, that's just playing into what the Democrats want to do. Uh, I think he's got his reputation intact right now. And again, you know, if this person can't specify really what happened, who was there, where it happened, I mean, that just does not sound like there's any credibility to the accusation in any event. And uh, I just don't see that there's much... That he, for, for him to be concerned about it all. All right. He is Jed Babin, former U.S. Deputy Undersecretary of Defense, contributor to The Washington Times and The American Spectator. Jed, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. And, yeah, and he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer.